This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to Growth in Dentistry. Katie Polson here on day two of Voices of Dentistry. And again, this wonderful background noise. Just we really <laughs> we appreciate you hanging in there with us because you really don't want to miss this episode that we have for you today. I am super, um, super excited to be able to sit, be sitting here with Bradley James, Manager of Strategic Partnerships, Paige Coho, VP of Marketing. Did I get that right? That from, is right. From Clear. And before we get started um, chatting with them, again, a big shout out to the people here at Voices of Dentistry that put it on. It really has been a great, uh, a great meeting. If you haven't been, you should come, especially next year. It's just a bunch of you know, people sitting on desks and tables podcasting. It's like the weirdest dental conference I think I've ever been to. It's also super, super fun. A lot of like-minded people. Um, it's, been, it's been a blast. So uh, with that being said, uh, Clear is a member plan platform um, that makes dropping PPOs, a piece of cake. And we're going to be talking um, in the month of March about AR management and collecting money from patients and how it's just a huge hassle. And and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, Before I I go any farther, uh, just in saying that being completely transparent, that Claire is a partner of Modento. We're super excited to be able to have uh, have this partnership with them, and we are super excited to have them. exciting things to come in the future for, for both of our companies. So uh, I'm excited for you guys to get to know, to know Clear if you, ha- if you don't know anything about them. So as some, as, as a customer, a previous customer success manager and have, have the opportunity to get into a lot of practices data and look at what health of a practice looks like, uh, let's start off with just talking about uh, what a healthy practice looks like as far as dropping PPOs. I know that for a lot of people, the fear of leaving an insurance, and this isn't, you know, dental intelligence endorsement that if you have a PPO, you're not doing things right, right? But um, just AR days and, and your collections percentage and, and all of that as far as data, uh, it really can make a difference in, in the health of your collections. And so I don't know who wants to take that question, Bradley or Paige, but... Give me, give me, give me what you got on P- on leaving PPOs. Leaving PPOs is pretty funny because I think right now it's really, really trendy within the industry. Um, a lot of dentists see their peers from dental school or down the street. They see that they've gone out of network with a fair amount of providers. And I think the important thing is you kind of touched on it is that there's this. Um, it's kind of taboo to go out of network on a certain level because it's just tradition to be in network with as many providers as possible. It's a network of patients. You're opening up your practice and marketing to all these, this opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, I think right now it's interesting because a lot of dentists are kind of building up this courage. They're seeing that a lot of practices are going fee for service successfully. I think the important thing is that the practices just need to make sure that they're doing it very methodically that they're really taking the time to crunch some numbers, look over the contracts, see what impact could it potentially have on their patient flow, on their business, for their bottom line when they do drop certain plans. And and I think what we've been seeing, and we listen, we can't 
really consult with practices because we are not experts with helping them drop PPOs, but we are advocates of them building this independence and being a bit more, um, just building that, that independence, like I kind of set on, set on. But I think the important thing is for them to really just be methodical and to uh, make sure that when they're dropping PPOs that they know exactly what they're doing, crunch numbers, just be calculated. Um, that's kind of my input. We've been seeing practices do it, doing it successfully. And um, yeah, you just need to really do the math. I, I think that's an important component that a lot of practices really overlook when yeah. it comes to dropping PPOs. Yeah. Um, that, that, those, those are great, great points. Yesterday we talked a little bit, um, Paige and I and Brady were talking about um, not only fears for the practice of leaving PPOs, but fear of fear for dentists, like for patients leaving PPOs and a level of education it, it, it requires to, you know, teach your patients that really don't need insurance to get dental and dental work. And as a, as a clinician, I, you know, spent a lot of time having those conversations with people and really trying to not let uh, let insurance dictate what, what we diagnose. But everybody falls into that trap. So uh, tell me a little bit about your guys's your your methodology of your membership plans and I didn't prep you for this, but how does it how does it change how does it differ from I mean because membership plans are unique to clear, but what makes you guys different, I guess? Yeah, so what makes us really different is just like our fundamental approach and we're very much invested in the practice's success. So two of our largest teams within Clear are our customer success team and our engineering and development team. So it really shows that we're contingent upon the amount of members that are signing up and we're gonna make sure that we're trying to provide the best user experience and customer service and support possible. So I think that's really just how we differentiate ourselves. And it's, it is really interesting, just for like listeners that are a bit unfamiliar with membership plans, um, it's important to just know that essentially what you're doing is you're helping them, like you're essentially creating these membership plans that you're extending and offering directly to your patients at a monthly or annual subscription. They get preventative and diagnostic care. And as a component of that, they also receive discount on other procedures as well. So it really gives the practice control to kind of build that patient loyalty, like you touched on, Katie, to control the treatment protocol and just make sure that you're removing any type of red tape that comes with insurance that really deters a lot of patients to that regard i don't know if you have anything to touch on there but i i think that's just um really what makes us a differentiator in the marketplace is the customer experience and page has been a great addition in the past year or so to clear's team and um she can kind of just touch on the marketing component and the digital aspect that she's been really bringing to our company to improve our, our marketing and digital presence yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the key things that Clear really does focus very heavily on is that element of making sure the patients are aware of the membership plan, the benefits and the features for it, kind of how it does really help improve not only like their access to care, but also the quality of care and the, you know, kind of removal of the third party decision maker, um, you know, being able to kind of work directly with their doctor, with their dentist um, is really, really important in terms of being able to access care without any kind of, you know, restrictions 
that are basically imposed by like annual maximums or claims denials or all the things that the person that's not even actively involved in the care in any capacity um, is able to basically keep them from doing. So, you know, uh, making sure that these patients are really aware of the importance of kind of being able to work directly with your dentist without the interference of a third party is something that we focus very heavily on, you know, making sure that we're providing the practices with, you know, everything from collateral and ideas and thoughts and materials um, and just kind of all of the things that they may need to get that messaging out to the patient. Uh, because ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know, the practice is obviously aware of, you know, kind of the benefits of, you know, bundling their preventative care and really making sure that they're working directly with these patients. But the patient is the one that has to sign up and has to be kind of bought in. So making sure that they understand the importance of uh, creating this one-to-one -one relationship is also really important. Yeah, that really is. It, um, so it, it, in my practice, I thought we use, we use membership plans as well. And it really it does. It does. It gives you the freedom. Like when you know that the, practice, the patient is okay using the membership plan, you just, as a clinician, I just feel like I, I'm just, I don't feel bound. I like a third party telling me what to do. I really, I really love that. Let's talk about um, collection. Like let's talk about moving in like collection money and percentages and and moving um, in for service. And yep. we talked a little bit about that. Yep. Yeah. So uh, one of the things, you know, we've really been kind of centralizing on is this concept of, you know, practices that are moving to like fully fee for service or even partially. Right. There's so many practices out there that are so in bed with all of these insurance providers. Um, we actually recently just had a really amazing story coming out of a practice. It was a 50 year old practice that had recently been bought outside of uh, like suburban Madison, Wisconsin. And they had a really amazing story where they were they were serving like 17 different PPOs. They wanted to kind of navigate towards this fee for service model because they just realized you know, coming out of this pandemic, the inequities between these insurance providers and the practices, I mean, insurance companies made billions of dollars over the course of the pandemic when the practices couldn't even open their doors and serve the patients. Um, and if there's anything to really highlight the inequities, it really was that entire experience as a whole. Um, so anyways, but this practice uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, really implemented the membership plan to kind of serve as like a coverage foundation and a way to like really give themselves like a default option. Um, and what they did was they very methodically took steps to first and foremost analyze their PPOs from that collections of UCR essentially like we were just talking about. Um, and that's really kind of key, right? Is that like when we look at the performance of a membership plan and just like how much profitability impact it actually has within these practices, it really kind of gives the foundation to be able to move away and have a more successful coverage option. When we kind of look at these practices, right, and we look at the coverage options that they're able to provide these patients, um, some of the key metrics that we're really looking at are, you know, first and foremost, treatment access, acceptance, we're looking at production, and then we're looking at the percentage of that production that's collected on the back end. Um, and what we've seen through essentially all of the ROI, like analytics that we've done on a lot of these coverage options in these practices is that first and foremost, you know, membership plans really do effectively collect the majority um, up to up we've seen like an average of like 70% of the UCR collected on these membership plan patients. Um, and what we've done is we've kind of like compared these to how the how these other like insurance providers are performing within these practices. We've sent a benchmark of like 55 to 60% of uh, collections is kind of like where the profitability really exists. Um, so anyways, back to this practice in Madison, what they did was they looked at all of their data. They looked at all of their profitability analytics. They looked at the percentage of collections. They looked at how much production they were creating. Um, and what they did was they said, all right, so we are essentially looking to navigate away from all of these uh, all of these PPOs that are basically collecting 50% or less. And they, you know, set these little benchmark goals where they started at 50% and then they wanted to remove maybe PPOs that were collecting at 55% or less. And then it was 60% or less. And what they did was it allowed them to transition essentially away from all but two. Um, they dropped successfully 15 out of the 17 and are now, you know, pretty much didn't even skip a beat. 
Um, the beauty of the membership plan, you know, for them in terms of that process was that one, it did give them a more profitable patient base, um, you know, on the fee for service model where these patients were bringing in more production, they were bringing in more collections. Um, and then it also gave them a coverage option to kind of offset um, anyone that was, you know, currently utilizing insurance they were navigating away from because, you know, the biggest fear I think that a lot of these practices have is, well, if I drop my insurance, I'm going to lose all of my patients. Um, and when you do have an alternative coverage option that you're able to provide that, quite frankly, is a much better option for these patients than these PPOs even, you know, begin like to begin with, um, it really is a no brainer to be able to move them over to these membership plans. Um, so it really does kind of help offset, you know, a lot of those fears around like, well, am I going to lose my patients? And then how do I still maintain profitability on the plans that we maintain? Yeah. And I, and I think a really important component that Page really broke down there was like a, a lot of practices, they understand that the membership plans are great for their patients. It's great for the relationship between them, them and their patient. It builds that loyalty. But there is like, we hear it all the time. There's, there's a lot of hesitation from practices, a lot of prospects that are, sorry, uh, there, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a lot of hesitation with these practices that on the business side, they just see that they're giving away a discount and they're very hesitant about that. They're like, well, I'm giving away discounts. If they're in network, they're like, okay, I'm already giving away discounts on all these plans. Or if they're completely fee for service, they're like, well, I've built this model and this, and this, um, I've built this air of like, we're not going to give discounts. So why would I start doing that now? It's, it's, it's almost like it's cannibalizing my cash paying patients. We hear it all the time. And I really think that the important component is based upon the ROI data that Paige just went over and that we're seeing over and over with all of our customers is it's good for your business too. It's good for your bottom line. You're implementing something that's going to be a very successful model and you're seeing it on a macro scale across the economy. You're seeing all these businesses implement all these memberships, loyalty programs, and it's because they know what they're doing. They're crunching numbers. They understand what they're building is more sustainable and that it's going to build, uh, improve cash flow. And that's ultimately what you're doing for your practice. And the data is just so consistent on what we're seeing, how all of these practices, their membership plan patients end up being the most profitable. And it's not even close, actually. It's usually they're doubling profits from formerly uninsured or formerly insured to now on a membership plan. It's just so crazy consistent. And I just kind of wanted to harp on what Paige said. Yeah. Thank you for, for jumping in there. Because, um, I mean, even when I mean, we see it in, in metrics uh, at Dental Intel, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can just speak in general terms, but um, I mean, like the, the top per, so we have our, our benchmarks that we put out every year. For those that are listening that don't know and, and want to hit us up, I'll, I'll put a link to um, our bench. We have our benchmarks for 2022. By the time that this, uh, podcast launch well, launches we'll have our benchmarks for 2022 out or 2021 sorry out um reviewing like what that looks like um but in 2020 i have those in front of me and um, the bottom percent for collection percentage was 94 percent average is 99 percent and top is 105 percent and it's safe to say that a lot of the practices that are fee for service or using membership plans and kind of getting away from ppos they do sit in that top percent a lot of the time and, and including AR days, right? Um, when you're AR, you get paid faster when you're not using PPO because you're getting paid at time of service instead of waiting, you know, 60, 90, 
even more. Gosh, I've, I see, you know, 100 days out or something sometimes on, on some of these um, where insurance wasn't paid. So it really does help help practices um, have a healthier um, collection and account receivable plan. Um, but, it, but I mean, it's difficult. It's a hard, it's, it's like, it's like totally changing. It's like going from like eating meat all the time to like being vegan or something. Like, like you're totally changing your, like your mindset. Right. And that's not just you. It's like an entire culture and entire society, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see, to see um, the changes. Um, you know, I like to think that I'm a younger person and you're, and you guys are definitely younger than me. And, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, just, just seeing a little bit the upcoming generations of, of healthcare professionals changing what that looks like. It's, it's pretty exciting. So with that being said, we asked the same question to everybody. What does growth in dentistry look like to you? And um, both of you can answer it. Well, either or, or one of you, it doesn't matter to me. But I know not being in dental and now being in the dental world is it's a crazy world. We are a really crazy people, but what do you think about growth and dentistry? What does it look like to you? So I guess I'll say something that doesn't pertain to membership specifically. Yeah. I'll just say something that I'm just observing yeah. and as unbiased as possible is I think that this has been a really interesting time for a while. Like a lot of these younger dentists, they're very hungry. They're implementing this new, very customer centric or in this terms, patient centric models. And I think it's been really interesting just seeing what the pandemic has created from a lack of labor and lack of patient flow and, you know, it really impacted their revenue streams and whatnot. And I, I think it's just interesting what I'm getting to is that a lot of these practices that have really succeeded through the pandemic and have really flourished are the practices that really take care of their team before taking care of the patients. And I, I just think it's such an important thing to put in place. And a lot of these practices are really doing a great job where when their team is very happy and when they're taking care of their own and when they implement all these great leadership qualities and they, it, it just trickles down their team, I think when everyone's happy, happy there, the rest will fall into place. So it's just really interesting, in my opinion, seeing how all these practices that have made their team happy, then their patients are happy and their practice just takes off. I think that's what I've, where, where I really see the growth in dentistry are those types of practices that are very team-oriented and then they're patient-oriented. I love that as an outside perspective, you've noticed that because being in dentistry, you know, for 20 plus years now, I, that's like one of, has been one of my goals. And I know that it has been a, 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 and we're amongst like-minded people here, but definitely that is how I feel. Like the absolute things are moving is, especially right now having the great staffing resignation, you know, like everyone is trying to focus on what they can do to create better teams. So I love that. Yeah. So, uh, in my opinion, right, I think that the future of dentistry is very similar to just kind of how, you know, healthcare, like the approach to healthcare and really making it patient centric, very human, um, I think is huge. And I think it's really important conversation that needs to be had and has really kind of been facilitated a lot by the pandemic um, is just, you know, care accessibility, making sure that it's patient centric, really trying to work to build that one to one relationship between, you know, provider and patient in this particular instance, it's between the dentist and the patient. Um, the more that we can collectively 
do just as a group, as an industry, as a team, as a unit, um, and quite frankly, as a society to build and maintain that relationship between the provider and the patient, make good decisions that the patient actually needs, um, really just focus on making sure that this is the best outcome possible. Um, I think that that's where the growth lies, right? Is like to really humanize treatment um, as it should be uh, is really, really important to kind of like the future of healthcare and dentistry in general. Oh, this has been really fun for me. You know, you know, there's nothing more sexy than patient membership plan. <laughs> we say the same thing and every I, day. I know. <laughs> but when people, hey, what do you do for your living? Uh, Get ready. Okay. It's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, well, this has been Growth and Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Again, special thanks to our guests, Bradley and Paige from Clear, joining us today from Voices of Dentistry. You can find, uh, where do you want them to find you at? So you can head our website. Uh, it's www.clearkleer.com. Uh, you can also check us out on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, yeah, check us out. Love to hear from you. Okay. Thank you for joining me today. And thanks um, for the, our mark, my marketing department for all that worked on this podcast. They're going to have to do on the back end. Yeah. So, okay. I'm Katie Polson. Keep growing.